0: fc13 podcast is sponsored by bet 99 good morning good day and what a good week my ball boys and girls this week was nothing but screamers the specific made jerks out of waterhouse ontario showed that the queens of development and the mls late winter's paradise so buckle up and get ready for your source of all things canadian Welcome, welcome to the FC13 podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am joined by our lovely host, Paul Michael. Boys, how are we doing on this fine morning?
1: Ah, doing lovely, doing lovely. Yeah, I've been up since, um, we're recording this pretty early today, ladies and gentlemen, just to give you a wee peek behind the curtain. And, um, early for Michael and Andre means about eight eight o'clock going on nine right now. For me, that means six o'clock in the morning going on seven. One of these days. I'm gonna fly back home to Scotland and insist on recording on my time there just to see how they like it. You
0: gotta remember, we're also European footy fans. So I am somewhat used to being up at seven to watch my Arsenal lose. It just usually means I'm drunk by nine.
2: (laughs) Um, I I just wanna excuse my voice right now. It's not exactly 100%. Being at that Ottawa-Edmonton game on, uh, on Sunday, I'm still feeling the effects on my voice. Oh, that was a
1: hell of a game. Oh,
0: yeah, he drinks boys and girls. And not only <laughs> even that, he his whole body and phone got a drink. What a fucking yeah, monster. phone got
2: my he phone is a got drink. Lot of damage. <laughs> and did you guys see any of those highlights from the Ottawa game? Like oh, yeah. On the monitor, like on the screen, you couldn't see the field. So imagine what it was like beating the crowd. It was insane. <laughs> you paid money to be there.
0: I don't know what's happening.
2: I sacrificed my phone. Put a three points and it worked.
0: <laughs> That's going to be an expensive three points going on the rest of the season. I have to just start getting burner phones. But I mean, speaking of being burned, Pacific and Waterhouse, what a <laughs> shit show. Oh, boy. I was. We said on the podcast before, I was just kind of worried that they were going to go home and hopefully not concede because away goals count. But then turned it around and got six in Hill. Rest in peace, Waterhouse. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think part of it was, um like, we didn't know much about Waterhouse going into this. We don't really look forward the Jamaican League all that well. And for being nil-nil in the first game, we we went into this with a bit of apprehension on Pacific's half. We didn't know what to expect at all. You know, well, it takes us one goal from them and then all well, things turns upside down. But, yeah, it seemed to come up Waterhouse for Pacific in this game. Um, really, like, as soon as we got the first goal, that looked like it to me, like, I watched the highlights back quickly today to recap to recap things for myself. And I don't think Waterhouse even came close to scoring. Never mind, like, getting, got to check my notes here. Six goals.
0: <laughs> Six, check my notes here. <laughs> Six goals is insane. It doesn't matter what league or whatever, especially when you have two games back-to-back and it's nil-nil. Six goals is just ballistic and that's the home team advantage and that's the difference turf can make because as paul pointed out i don't I, there's no turf like they don't need turf in jamaica so as soon as you come and you are you're stuck playing in these positions well that's what happens you're just not used to ball bounce the wear and tear in your body and it it just showed
2: oh 100 percent. and it, it's kind of funny if you look that when we released the podcast i think we released it on the wednesday so it was after the first game, and here we are, sorry, it was after the second game, so after we sat there and talked about the first game, saying, oh, you know, Pacific might be in trouble here, and holy shit, were we wrong, and they they just made us look stupid after that, man, holy hell, but you know, you're you're right, Andre, it really does come down to that that home field advantage, and Diaz, can we talk about Diaz again on the podcast, I know know we did a couple weeks ago, but holy hell, this guy's not slowing down. He's leading the league in 13 goals. He's leading Conger for three. Great game from him, and I think he got some assists in that game too, didn't he?
1: Um maybe, yeah. I was I wanted to talk about his support system. I thought um so Pacific played a 3 4 3 for this game again and allowed their attackers to run a riot. Um they had Josh Haird, Marco Bustos, there, Dos Santos as well. Dada, look, they completely destroyed Pacific down those wings and in those attacking wow. areas. Bustos, in particular, like, outstanding. I thought at times his drive and his energy, like you know, his goal, his goal early on, like his ability to get into the box and be in the right place. I thought Dos Santos was outstanding as well. He does great to set up the first goal, and and then sets up another goal afterwards. I'm happy to talk about Diaz as well, and like. You need like we said before, you need a focal point. But like you look at teams like Halifax, you don't have a focal point. It doesn't matter how good your attackers are. But it all it all comes together with Diaz and the fact that he's mm-hmm. gives all of them the output. They're so creative, they've got so much attacking flow Pacific right now. Mm-hmm. And he just makes their job easy.
2: Well yeah, and I apologize. He didn't get any assists, but he did get the three goals. Josh Hurd, two goals, two assists. Dos Santos too, says I don't think DeSantis is talking enough about. And no. it's because he's not, a, he's not an exact regular in the lineup, right? He's usually coming on as a sub. But he's had some screamers this year, and he had a hell of a game against Waterhouse there. Um, I am worried for Pacific Suns game and CONCACAF. They have that team from Costa Rica. I can't remember their name. Excuse me because I'm a dumbass. There you go. But I do know they just won the Costa Rican Super Cup. They are top of the league in Costa Rica, and they've also won five in a row. And Costa Rica is one of the teams, one of the countries that really runs this tournament. I'm worried for Pacific going into that game.
0: Well, I'm not worried because I think this is going to be a perfect test. I think this is the best chance to see what the best of CONCACAF can offer at that level. Because all Mm -hmm. we had really personally, all we'd seen before was jumping right into the Mexican champions. And I don't think that's a fair test. Like, that's. That's champion level, like Champions League level of just major teams set down a couple points. I think this is finally a chance we can see what a CPL high-level team is like against a a team in Cap that's going to be somewhat at a similar level. And after a 6-0, if it is a a now, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure it's still a two-legger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's see if that home team advantage also has the same effect. If they even get like half of what they did here <laughs> they're yeah. in a good position right and I if- do
2: want to point out though it is a big jump from Jamaica to Costa Rica it is I mean Costa Rica historically in CONCACAF used to be one of the top dogs over the years the money wasn't put into Costa Rica like it was in Mexico so they did fall down the chain but they still are one of the top dogs I put them top three in the in the conference like I usually I would probably put um, Mexico America than Costa Rica honestly maybe honduras <laughs> but we have seen forge play some of these teams in concacaf league and they did okay but Forge yeah. never got to a semi-final they never won
1: the final you know yeah. like i'm gonna just quickly say they did get to a se- they did get to a semi-final i think forge have shown that cpl teams we don't have anything to be afraid of in concacaf like i'm with you like i wouldn't be surprised of course the went through but I also would be super surprised if Pacific went through. I think this is a great mm. level and a great test. I'm really looking forward for them to this is,
2: game. The good thing for them is they do start it off at home. Mm. As long as they can keep the away goals down, it might be all right.
1: Do some I damage mean, on the turf.
2: I, <laughs> but
0: also, if they can get six goals at home with clean sheet, I'm sure they'll be just fine as well. Because Valor and Calvary kind of also somewhat did something similar. They were able to keep their clean sheet and... I I thought there was a decent amount of shots in that game.
2: The one thing I don't like that what we've done here, because I hate when we do this, we've done it before, is we talk about a team from an earlier game in the week, and then they play on the weekend. So all <laughs> my numbers and stats and my mind is all messed up, because now I'm thinking about Vada versus York. But regardless, both games, Vada won 2 nothing, so it's not that much of a challenge.
0: Um, <laughs> it was Calvary planned, though. okay? You know how yeah. hard it is to get them to win 2-0 again for you?
2: Oh, I know, I know. I, I appreciate it, Valor. And they actually had a good turnout from what I saw. But, um, yeah, no, Calvary did kind of control the game, but you give Moses dire time on that ball, he's scoring every time. The, I, can't, oh, I I don't know if this guy's going to be in the CPL next year. He's just playing too well. He had a really good year last year. Um, he really is a focus point, as you were saying, that you need a focus point, Paul. He really is that for Valor. And I want to give a shout-out to Billy Forbes, who's their new player. Uh, he's kind of an NASL legend, if you if you guys ever watched that league, and he is doing very well for Ballersay. Um,
1: the reason I wanted to talk about this game is um, I feel like I kind of want to have a moan about Cavalry's schedule. I feel like I'm the I'm the schedule moan guy on this podcast. That's that's my oh, you really are. That, that is, is your thing. This was Cavalry's sixth game in 21 days, which no other team in that spell has played that many games in. And they've lost four of their last five. I'm not saying it's that direct correlation, but you can't tell me that's got nothing to do with it when they'd only lost two games of forehand and were on a massive winning streak. I know we've know this before, like the schedule can't be perfect in the CPL. You've got like this window to play and you've got to get the games played. But it really doesn't help its it really doesn't help itself at time with all that travel and all that pack scheduling. It's a big demand. I don't know what can be done, admittedly, but I feel like six games in 21 days is ridiculous, and I think it's taking its toll on cavalry mentally. You see the goals he gave up. That first one, Yao and Carducci getting each other's away—that's something that doesn't happen. That's one of the best goalkeepers in the league and one of the best defenders. And then you see the second goal where Dyer runs runs on that through goal, through ball, is one on one. There's a massive amount of space between the center backs, which he exploits. You could have fit like a you could have fit a truck in there. There was way too much room for him to exploit. That's not like cavalry.
2: I don't know if it's the 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 schedule, but overall I've just been I think cavalry's been underwhelming. A lot of the big guys aren't showing up. Uh Joe Mason is I think he's been struggling. Ari Musi has been struggling. I don't think he's done much for weeks now. And like you said, Yao has been really off, but more importantly, is this a reflect of the schedule, or do they rely that much on players like Pebble?
0: That was actually what I was going to ask. Is it is it a reliance standpoint? Now the schedule plays a part. We know we've talked about it again and again, and and you have to expect it. Canada's big and schedule shit, and but we don't really know how how they're traveling. Like, are they going in luxury, or are they stuck? You know jumping in after, you know, against York? Did did Valor have to go and sit in Pearson for 30 hours? So that's that's what I'm wondering. Like, we know the schedule plays a part.
2: I think something we could point out as well is, as well as Pebble did play, he did only appear in seven games for Calvary, right? And they're 19 games in. So yes, that's obviously a nice little chunk, but it's less than 10 games, guys. So can we say he was the really the the driving force back cover because they had a good start before he came in. Sorry, I think Bob. you guys are
1: underplaying Joe Mason because he's scored in a couple of the games since Pebble left and when he's not been playing and Pebble wasn't there Meyer Bevan was putting the goals in as well. Yeah. Alan Moosey's been, been scoring as well too. Yeah, I I think this is a team that are most, that are one of the best teams equipped with like debt issues but yeah. like I, I think it's mostly a schedule thing to be honest. I'm not. That's not an excuse. I think you've got to be doing better than Four losses at five, but yeah, right. I, the toughest part of the schedule is over. So I'm very curious to see how they um how they get on after this.
2: Mm, no, same here. And I think Joe Mason has huge potential in this league. He's 30, 31 years old. The problem with Joe Mason though is he's constantly injured. Uh, but when he's healthy, he usually he's on like a, a goal every two games pace sort of thing. Uh, but like like you said, bivan has gone as well. Pebble's now left. They don't have Fraser out. Like. They do have injuries, and I don't know. They played the, play this Friday against Forge, which could be a very exciting game. That could be a, a potential finals in the CPO uh, when it comes to the playoffs. So I think everyone's going to be watching that one. But as it's going, I think Forge is going to run the floor with them.
0: Well, we're we're going to find out. It's at home, so they have that advantage. And let's see. Do they, do they falter again, or are they going to pull it out? Because they've had that rest? so to speak. But I mean, that's the CPL. It's it's a tight race. It's exciting. I can't wait to see what happens. And speaking of exciting, the MLS actually gave us all something fun to watch from a Canadian standpoint. Because it's, you know, if you really want to boil it down, all fucking 360,000 teams they have in there, depending on their divisions, <laughs> you'd find them. But finally... Plus
1: one next season.
0: <laughs> plus 365,001. So at least it finally gave us a decent game for us Canadians because Toronto, Vancouver and Montreal all had some really really fun games and starting us off in the big one at least in terms of what the viewers want, listeners want. Toronto and Nashville, I thought they were I thought Toronto was going to run away with it. Nashville showed that they're not a pushover. What did you guys think?
1: Yeah, to shamelessly plug the Twitter for a second, we loved all three games involving Canadian teams in MLS like throughout the week. So we just put up a Twitter poll. What games do you want us to cover? And the people wanted this Toronto Games front and centre. So, you know, yeah, if you don't like that, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what, a, what a game. And, like, yeah, from a Canadian perspective, this was a lot of fun to watch, like, in terms of the international players. Um, our boy, Richie Larea, he's, he's finally back with Freedom freedom from Nottingham he's back in back in Toronto baby and um, he was not wasting time on this um, just so nice being able to see loria getting the ball out wide plays it across Jonathan Osorio scores uh, you'd, you'd love to see that a couple of months again wouldn't you in somewhere a bit hotter than Nashville somewhere with some air conditioning and um, the Italian players also got involved as well this was really kind of like almost like a blueprint of what Toronto were building over the summer over the summer window with their Canadian and Italian um, signings that they made.
2: Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think I. I, Sorry, I I love Richard Laurea the way he came into this game. Um, It's almost like not playing at Nottingham didn't bother him. You know, (laughs) like I think people were like sitting here, be like, "When's he gonna play? When's he gonna play? When's he gonna play? When's he gonna play?" That wasn't the fucking problem. He was still training with better players. So, in my opinion, if things work out or not in Nottingham. For uh, it's if it doesn't work out, I don't know where he goes. Because he's better than the MLS. He is. Uh, he shows it every time he plays, right? And he came in, hasn't played in months, and he was still one of the better players, if not the best player on the field to me. He was constantly involved, had a great game. But I think we got to throw attention at Zennia as well, because congrats to him getting his first MLS goal. And Toronto, Toronto overall had a really good game. But it was a back and forth game. These are the MLS games I love to watch. These are the reason some people watch the MLS because of the high pace, high scoring, back and forth. Nashville is currently in a playoff spot, sitting sixth in the West. Toronto, still second last in the East, but only four points back from a playoff spot.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
2: mental. I don't think I've ever seen the MLS table so close. Now, wow. Andre, you'll be able to correct me if I'm wrong. But has it ever been like from a seventh? the 13th a matter of a two game difference
0: never not as far as i can remember now i haven't been watching from the very start so if you're an mls purist and you're like i've been here since 96 shut shut the fuck up um (laughs) nobody cares like half those teams are gone but at the end of the day like i've never seen the bottom so close like i mean you've seen like five or six teams who who on decision day could easily jump up and and go from you know like eighth or, or ninth and and like Skyrocket up positions, no problem. But I don't think I've seen where you're like anything in the next three games that you could shake the whole table up and it wouldn't look the same. I mean, the Bernadeski was was amazing. That penalty was far better for him to take. I personally think because he just has more confidence with it. Larea, I don't know. I I didn't know. Like I wanted him back in Toronto, and then I was like, ah, oh, loaning him back to Toronto doesn't make much sense. But then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? That kind of does because if you have got a player you've paid for, you want him getting match fitness. You want to shove him back where he knows everybody, so he's not got this weird learning curve all over again. And you're gonna pull him back from loan and be mm. like, "Oh well, that didn't do nothing. Like I gave him, I gave him six months to a year, and he's it's no different than buying him the first
1: time." I think it'd be a mess if we didn't quickly mention some of the, you know, same old problems with Toronto defensively conceding free goals. I will say. I don't know what you guys thought. I thought that penalty Nashville got was very soft, but it's rare to concede twice from corners in the one game. I think, especially the second one. I thought Zimmerman for Nashville outmuscles like, McNaughton way too easily, and the second goal Nashville gets is right after Toronto make it two-one, like just before half time. That's a terrible time to be conceding goals. That's the type of that's the goal that worries me the most. Just before half time, that's the type of thing you have to cut out and like work on, but like. Um, yeah, need to work on those corners, boys.
0: <laughs> As a Toronto fan, they very, very much do. Telltale, if you were to look at this game otherwise, it does make sense that they got three goals. There were 23 shots they had compared to Toronto's 10. So, statistically, you were going to start getting them in, right? But, I mean, that's what been happens. And even look
2: at the possession and passes. They were all even. Oh, yeah.
0: It was like... <laughs> weirdly split in the right oh, yeah. the middle. And then Toronto, you look at the shots, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. At oh, least yeah. when it's like, you know, low possession and high shots, you're like, oh, they were counterattacking all the time. But when everything's super even, it's like, you just, in your head, you're like, Toronto would get the ball. There was eight shots on targets. I mean, there was only two, they just randomly put their foot through it. So yeah. if Toronto starts taking more shots, I bet you, I could have been 6-3. But they didn't. So it's 4-3. But I mean, Vancouver... Had a really fun turnaround.
2: Yeah, they did. And I I don't understand. I, I swear, most games I've watched for Vancouver this year, Cavalini's on the bench, and I don't get it. He's having his best year in the MLS that he's ever had. He's up to, what, eight goals, nine goals? And and he had the game-winner this one after being subbed on under the 56th minute. But there was such a change when he came on, wasn't there? Like, Vancouver lacked. And, like, if you look at the stats, Houston kind of ran that game. But once Cavallini came out, it was a different story, I felt. And I'm not a big fan of Ricketts. So using Ricketts as a, a lone striker, it just, it, it's just not an option to me. I, I prefer him more of the one getting the ball into the box because he's fast. And I, that's the only thing I really like about Ricketts. Uh, but Cavallini, his goal, that was a goal scorer's goal. Such power. Not even lucky for the pass. He banes it in. Like I said on the podcast before. Cavallini going into the World Cup was a huge question mark. I think
1: he's really secured that spot now. If I can play devil's advocate, though, then he seemed like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's, like, if he's having all these impacts coming off the bench and it's clearly working, then why not keep doing it? Like, maybe the best to get out of Cavallini is, like, like substitute appearances. I'm not saying he's not fit enough for 90 minutes. No, that's a good point. But, like, it seems seems to work for Vancouver, like, bringing him on as a sub Mm -hmm. and he, like, pull something out of his ass towards the end because they've gotten a stupid amount of points out of goals in the last, like, 10 minutes of games. I think that might be the best record in MLS in terms of, like, re- recovering points in the last 10 minutes from losing positions.
0: But my only concern is Vancouver's got to look at where they are in the table. Just as close as the, the Eastern Division is, the Western Division is a matter of two points. So a single mm-hmm. game can change that. And and I, I agree with Michael yeah, it's working, but you want attacking power now. Like now is not one of those ones where you can hope and pray that after a 6-minute conceded goal you're going to get two in 4 minutes. Like that's nonsense. You you you've got to buckle down and really push for those two points or or you're stuck. You there's But like I said nothing.
2: as well. Uh sorry to cut you off there, but l- like like I said as well. It's not just the impact that he has with putting the ball in the net. It was the minute he came on, Vancouver's game changed. Like, if you look at the stats, Houston had the possession. They had the shots. And I think the the the, the stats reflect how the game was. But it doesn't reflect the second half to me. Because the Vancouver was all over that, I feel. Yes, Houston had their moments. And I'm sorry, I'm going to say this just to throw it out. Though, Hector Herrera, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but he is not doing what he's supposed to in Houston, I find. That has been very disappointing on his behalf. But that's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, no, I'm just, <laughs> uh, I just... I, I agree with what you're saying, Paul. If it's working, don't break it. But yeah. at the same time, you think you want to see that influence of a player through the whole game and not just 45 minutes.
0: Yeah, it's what you get. It's just the nature of the beast, right? Like they're, they're going to have to do something with them. It's what they're choosing. I just personally think you need more attacking power constantly. You're so close. And you'll have to if they don't make it with two points only two points separating them. They're going to be the ones kicking themselves in the teeth, and I mean kicking themselves in the teeth. Montreal did also play, but under twenty ones. There is a quota of under twenty ones, and I feel like some teams for the CPL are kicking themselves in the teeth. Take it away, Michael. <laughs> yeah, no, I
2: got. go no not As a uh, as as a, as a fan of someone this may actually impact. I'm all over this. Um, so yeah, earlier last it. week. So we knew from we knew from the very. uh we knew from the very start that there you need to have a certain amount of under 21 players, play a certain amount of minutes throughout the season. We knew that. But we never knew the penalty for it. They never announced it. They never or they were at least never public about it. Uh, earlier last week, the CPL said if you do not hit those minutes and you're in the playoff spot, you are not in a playoff spot anymore. Which, you know what, rules are rules. A lot of Ottawa fans got upset about hearing this, and I'm like, what do you honestly expect, though? Because if we made the playoffs and we don't have those minutes, there's going to be a lot of teams below us questioning what the fuck's going to happen to them, right? Now, I think most people just assume it's going to be a fine. And I, I, don't, I actually agree with the fine more so. But you have to understand, being in the CPL, some of these teams, especially someone like Edmonton, doesn't have that money. Edmonton doesn't have the problem of the minutes right now. But imagine if they did have that problem. Are you going to fine Edmonton? I don't think you will, right? So. Good luck, getting the money. Exactly, it's like uh, it's like when you get a call from the tax people say, "Yeah, we need money." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm sure you do." <laughs> I, that's a joke. I'm not going to jail with tax evasion. I did that <laughs> one, <Andrew>. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but overall, I do agree with the rule, right? And I I think what's important is we grow Canadian talent. And what I found was funny with Ottawa fans was like. Grow Canadian talent. Wait, what? Why do we have to play all these kids? Like, that's not fair. It's like It's been a rule forever. Like, it's, they actually raised the minutes this season. It's nothing new to anyone. Again, the penalty, I think the problem is, people's problem is, is that the penalty for not having the minutes comes out in the middle of the season, right? Or near the end of
1: the that's season. Big, that's the big oh, one, well, yeah. The ball
2: only has 10 games left. So near the end of the season, they'll say, oh, by the way, this is the penalty if you don't do it. And that's pissing people off that you do that halfway through the season. Which, again, I understand the frustration. But Ottawa – and I said this to my brother at the start of the season. Ottawa's going to have trouble hitting these minutes. Coming into the year, we only have three players that can get us those minutes. And a lot of the time, they weren't starting. Uh, Throughout the time, Bahus was starting to get um, at least 45, if not more. Um, Now, Zachary Waugh is starting to get a lot more minutes, and he's looking good. But we had a guy, um, uh, Kuna. Who's not with the team anymore. He was one of our draft picks during the, the U Sports draft. And now he's left Ottawa to go back to school. Obviously, we can't blame the kid. He wants his education. Go get your education. You're young. Do it while you can. But And now Ottawa also brought in a Vancouver Whitecaps 2 player on loan to help finish off these minutes. But it's going to be a struggle. Um, Mm -hmm. Against Edmonton, I would have liked to see more minutes from the uh, Vancouver Loney. I can't remember what his name is. More or less, I can't pronounce it. (laughs) But uh, he only played a couple minutes against Edmonton. And when you're playing bottom of the table, I would have liked to see more minutes accumulated in that match. Because now we have teams like Pacific coming up. We still got play Calvary. Do you want to have all these young kids in? when we might not need to, you know what I mean? But
1: what your you Pacific, guys thoughts on that? I've got the numbers in front of me here. So in terms of no playoff team has reached the threshold yet. The closest team is Forge with 1,845 minutes and then Cavalry of 1,838. So we'll assume they'll be fine. Pacific <laughs> yeah, have, sure. have 1,183 and Ottawa have 1,050 as of right now. So, those are the two teams that's concerned the most. I, I'd i like to assume that the CPL didn't just make this up halfway through. Like I agree. So, we'll assume that like teams have known about this all along, and we'll assume that Ottawa isn't run by idiots. Well, Insert joke, insert joke here. Let's, let's <laughs> the, uh, the hope club, instead... Let's the football club.
0: <laughs> let's, let's hope instead we get a mad dash right in the end of a shit ton of underplayers. Like, right at the end, the last, like, three games, they just loan a bunch of people really, really quickly, and then everyone on the team is unders, and you just watch chaos. Like, that's my hope. I know it's not the point.
1: Honestly, I'm not too far off that, but I'm assuming, I don't know if Ottawa are thinking, get those points first and then get the young players in, because, like I said, it's... Mm-hmm. It looks strange, and you wouldn't want to get in a situation where, like you said, they come up against a Forge away or some must-win game against Valor, who aren't that far off the playoffs, mm-hmm. and there's, like, senior players that they can't, they literally can't play, they have to play their unders, which means they're going into those games undermanned. Like, you'd like, yeah. I'd like to think they're smarter than that, I, but, agree. I mean, we're only really going to be able to, time will tell.
2: Yeah, no, you're right, and I think that's, I think that's what Ottawa's commentary is, is get the points that will worry about the minutes. Uh, the problem is, is that the season's getting close. Um, there is a good gap between Ottawa and Valor. It's a, a six-point gap. But you know what? Like Ottawa has two bad games, and so that's turned around, right? So I do agree with you that it was a – I think it's a point-based system first. But we got to start getting those kids in, right?
0: Well, half of the things too is with the CPL offloading talent and, and really like selling them off, you would think they'd get more time. Because the cpl has been making some some it like big moves. I mean, but it's been out. So you you'd think with that happening, you they'd get their moments. Cause just look at you know, Calvary losing such a high striker, although he didn't play much, that should, in theory, give them their moments, right?
1: Yeah, no, for yeah, sure. No, I'd... but because he was under 21 and now he's getting replaced by like a 30 year old up front.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's the point, is like they're it's their own fault. If, if they're mm-hmm. selling off their players and then they're not taking that moment to be like, you know what? Let's just give them a shot. Let's give them a chance. And you could have another scenario where you find a player like that and then selling players is how you're going to make big money. Let's be honest. That's really going to how in these leagues, the amount of money you can get from an abroad team for some of these players could almost make half of your yearly salary. So – it's give them the moment, give them the time, get them in there. You could find another star, another pebble. It's a development league. Fucking develop them.
1: The CPL I mean, talent pipeline really is like it is coming into fruition now, and like the under twenty one, the under twenty one rule. It's lowell right? That's that's your justification for it. Like he's got those minutes because York can kind of have to give him his minutes. I'm not saying he's getting he got token minutes, but like it certainly helps. And you see he's now got signed for Vancouver. He's in their MLS development team. There's potential there for that to be the highest, like, figure involving a CPL transfer at this moment. And there's a lot of things that CPL do to try and get people to play these young players and develop Canadian talent. Like we said, we have the the U for U sports as well. Like we've seen with the likes of Joe Waterman, what that can do. You've got Corey Benn out in Halifax getting minutes as well, having made that... um, Transition and obviously, like you know, plenty of League One players have played in CPL as well. And now you can, and now we're really starting to see things coming to fruition. We have Absey; he came from the PLSQ, who's now playing in League Two, France. latoury he's now playing; he's now playing in Scotland with Ross County. So is Akeel. Pebbles now gone to Luton Town. He's on season loan for crimsby crimsby So hopefully, he gets a lot of minutes. And then we also have the right one as well. Those have all happened this summer. That's five big names out the CPL. Young, Canadian, and now they're gonna like go out into the world and express themselves in a football league sense. It's really, really a good testament of the CPL four years in that these moves are now happening.
2: Yeah, it is. And uh, it's great to see. This is what we want to see from the league. Like it's, it's always the um, the gutter of two evils though, right? Like we have all the good players leave. But they, we want to see them move on. At the same time, we want to see how the best players stay, right? So it is the, the, the great of two evils. But I just want to touch on what Andre said with the CPL being a developmental league. It's hard to argue that, yes. But if you say that to any CPL fan, they'll bite your head off because we're not a development league. And this is the way I like to say this no matter where you play in the world, the best players leave. In all reality, it's how it goes. It's either you play well, even say you play well for Manchester United. You have an amazing season. Who's looking at you? Real Madrid, Brighton, <laughs> West Ham, anything better than them, really. <laughs> you get what I mean, though. No matter where you play in the world, there's better teams looking at you. So to say that the CPL is a developmental league because all the young players are leaving, I disagree. I, I don't think you can look at it like that. I mean, I'm sorry. You can look at it like that, but I believe you would be wrong. And to touch on what Paul said about Lowell Wright. Yes, that was a great move for him to go to Vancouver. He's going to be playing with the Vancouver Whitecaps too. And the money, apparently it depends on the, on his performance. If he performs well, he will be the highest transferred CPL player at the time. Um, I just also want to point out that he will be joining Eastern Ongaro. Andre, you might remember that name because you stole that answer from me in the <laughs> quiz. He's a, He was the all-time leading goal scorer in the CPL. Coming, uh, before he went over to Europe, he came back and now he's with Vancouver Whitecaps too, and he's absolutely killing it. He's got four goals in three games, so I would love to see Lowell, right squeeze in there beside him and have a CPL powerhouse there. That'd
0: I know, awesome. I know you don't want to hear, <laughs> and I know no one likes to hear something like it's a development league, but it, but it kind of is, and there's nothing wrong with that because the reason is you produce and, and pull some big, big, amazing talent, right? your best players do end up leaving you know it happens with the portuguese league like but the benefit is though is that you're creating them so you then attract talent you know other if if you don't if you don't produce some some top level talent no one's going to want to jump from guatemala into there they're going to go why i've got three offers i've got you know national league in england i've got you know third division down in portugal or i've got the cpl well if you see Whoa, three, there were three transfers to some decent teams out of the CBL. Well, I'm, I'm going there. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. And you're, it's just going to attract the talent. I mean, I'm sure I'll piss and moan if someone says it, if we get a team near me and then I start supporting a local club, I'm sure I'll piss and moan. That's 100%. I will backtrack my uh-huh. words. But from an outsider's perspective, it's just how it is. But quick mention there on on from a personal note, Jordan Hamilton signed for Ford. Ford is now throwing their money weight around, which is. They're not doing the under thing, but Jordan Hamilton is an absolute legend in Toronto, Toronto FC. I love the guy to death. Uh, personal story for anyone listening. Jordan Hamilton had actually bought all of the Toronto FC fans beer in Panama when they were getting their ass handed to them because he felt so bad. So he had waved over and with his own money on the sideline. And I guess like he would pulled the money out of his sock. I don't know. Cause he was in full gear. He was like, we're getting our ass handed. Can you please get them beer? Because like this is getting embarrassing. So Jordan Hamilton, love to see him back in Canada. Love to see him working. And honestly, I think I think Forger probably gonna run away a little bit now because Hamilton, despite his his history, or what someone says, he is he is really good at putting it in. With that, Canada put some beautiful goals in on a one-year anniversary for us to lift the gold at the Tokyo Olympics. And i remember that game very vividly and i love the fuck out of it
1: i want to hear um, you guys talk about it first like being canadian let's see what it means to you and then i'll shame I'll in of my outsider perspective <laughs> <laughs> what it means to us now i am going to get booed here you guys can boo me i boo. did not watch
2: the game i didn't i um i can't remember what i was doing but i did miss the game but i have never seen so many people take to the internet Uh, honestly, the closest thing I've seen was when the English woman won Euros Uh, but I think the Canadian fans did it better. You have to remember that Canada's soccer history really is developed around the women's sport first. They've been here a lot longer than the men's success, and the fans have been there a lot longer for the women's than they have been for the men's of recent years anyways. So it was was really great to see, and especially to see Sinclair get it, right? If if you're a Canada fan, man or woman, you have a hard-on for Sinclair, and... uh, (laughs) let going yeah, to be a no, better way to work that. No, i worded it perfectly. <laughs> perfectly. Yeah, no, it was, it was a great thing to see. And um, honest, honestly, the, uh, the Canadian women aren't slowing down either. The development has been huge. And I, something like that, something like winning the gold, is really what brings it further, right? They're constantly being looked up to the U.S. Um, if you look at women's soccer as well, Japan has always been a powerhouse. So winning something like that, it puts Canada at the top. And it really brings the um, the developmental up to another level.
0: I mean beating beating America is is incredible for Canada. Like it, it always is. It's great. I love I love going on Twitter afterwards and watching their meltdown. It makes me happy. However, when you know we were we were playing Sweden and you know, there was so many there was points I was I was like super excited and then we tied it and I was like, okay, you know, extra time and we'll we'll make this work and then I got closer to penalties. And then I went to penalties, and we all know how I fucking hate penalties. And I was like, you know what? Sweden missed. Canada. Canada got it. Great. Then Sweden got it, and Canada missed. When Canada missed again, I was like, nope. I'm turning this off. I can't do it. Yeah. And then I just sort of like left on the sound, so like I could kind of hear announcements and stuff like that. And then it just progressed and progressed, and it was right at the end. And and I honestly. I was technically managing a restaurant at the time and I just lost it when they when they finally won because it was finally nice cuz Canada was starting it was on the rise we saw some things going up and it just it felt like that became the catalyst of of like a light switch like a light bulb just flicking on and Canada from there just just seemed to do better they just just had a better run cuz from that point on it was it was just all uphill for the men's team mm-hmm.
1: I don't uh, am I allowed to address the elephant in the room here and say that was probably the worst penalty shoot of all time oh yeah oh no, no <laughs> like, it was in, god in fucking of, awful like,
0: that's why I had th- to turn th- th- it off th- th- it was, was
1: genuinely a car crash of a penalty <laughs> I've never got into a penalty shootout expecting people to miss rather than expecting them to score but like by the time I got like half like three courts, like the four penalties I'm, like this is getting weird This is getting really weird. Why can't anyone score? So when I watched it back, you could see I actually paid a lot of attention to people's faces. Oh, yeah, I don't mean to brag. I did did a little bit of psychology in university. And um, (laughs) everybody involved on the Swedish team or the Canadian team, everybody looks like they're about to burst into tears, like during the penalty shootout. Everybody looks like their emotions are about to get about to like really, they're going to succumb to them. Like everybody is feeling the stress of the situation. part of me thinks maybe no fans in that. I wonder. I wonder how much as well. Like there's a lot of people on the Canada team have been burned before. Like I'm sure we don't want to talk about the the 2012 Olympic semi final, and like there's quite a, there's quite a few players from the from Canada who there like you know Christine Sinclair, hadrick in 2012 etc. This was a bit of a last dance sort of feel at this Olympics. So I won. I think it was more to do with that. Like, I mean, because penalties are a bit crap as well. And you know what? I don't care that it was the worst penalty shoot in the world because Canada one. I, I can tell
0: you right now, psychology or not, I'll tell you exactly what was going on in everyone's headlining up for that shot, which was fuck penalties, fuck penalties, fuck penalties, <laughs> fuck penalties, fuck penalties. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's thought. There's not a chance. No one's like, oh my God, I love this. No. This is the worst. Everyone hates this, and then the eerie silence of staring at a keeper and being like, oh, "I could personally fuck this up for my country." How is that not? No one. I mean,
1: I think the silence of an empty stadium really fucks with people's heads.
0: It's good, a hundred percent. It's an Olympic stadium at the Olympics where you're guaranteed it would have been sold out no matter who was at the gold final. And it's just you've got to sit there staring at a keeper going, yeah, I could ruin this for everyone. That's fine. But speaking of ruining this for everyone, it is time for everyone's favorite, least favorite gaslighting the game where you think you watched it. But no, you didn't this week. We're actually going to be having a little bit of fun with it because we're not doing our stereotypical games. We are doing the one and lovely. Only women's final of League One Ontario, which is just bless. Loved it. Alliance United FC versus the National Development Centre of Ontario or NDCO. So how the game works it's simple if you're listening now and you haven't listened before you're going to enjoy it or hate it one question two questions three questions to five they're all worth their numbered points so one question's worth first question's one point seconds two three third you get the idea the rules are you can ask pretty much anything about the game or anything not about the game and bonus questions can be tossed in or realistically it's entirely up to the host to do whatever they want with it we don't really seem to have a full final structure so Ladies and gentlemen, boys, are you ready for the game? Question one, worth one point, what color was the ref shirt? Nice and easy. Pretty simple, right? I figured I was really pissy after losing last week's game. Maybe I'll go a bit easier. I'm not. But I thought that. So question one, what color was the ref shirt? Question two, what makes Alliance United? United. By the way, because of michael's fuckery last time some of these are gonna have little traps depending on the answers so just keep that in mind question three who scored the third goal and bonus how that's a bonus point you get an extra one if you get it correct but you have to get the first question
2: third goal of the game or third goal for
0: third goal of the game question four After the lineup, the players fist bumped the ref. Who was the last to do so? In question five, during the broadcast, which you can watch on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen, League One and Terror, you can always watch on YouTube. During the broadcast, how many flags can be seen? Waving flags, like on a pole. During the broadcast, how many flags can be seen? And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go to a break while we all screech into the oblivion, and we'll be back. FC13 podcast is sponsored by Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sports book and casino. They offer in play betting, player props, a cash out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and the MLB. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile, and the Bet99 mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. Depositing and withdrawing funds are hassle free with a number of well known methods available to you so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 on live chat. So go to bet99.com and make an account to get started. Remember to use our code 13thmansports1, but please gamble responsibly. 19 Plus, play responsibly. Available to persons in Ontario only. Subject to successful AGCO registration and execution of an operation agreement with iGambling Ontario. If you have any questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, please contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. And now, back to the show. And welcome back to the FC 13 podcast, guys. I hope you enjoyed that break. We've had a little bit of fun. With our game in the off time, I actually gave the boys a 10 seconds to watch the game, which technically if you wanted and if you were you're were paying attention and had a little bit of fun, you could have actually seen a couple answers there, but give them 10 seconds to see how many flags can be seen during the broadcast. So what we're going to do, we're going to be flipping a proverbial coin, our, our beautiful, beautiful imaginary coin. We're going to go to Google and we're going to go coin flip
1: because fuck it.
0: I don't have a coin and who's going to go first?
1: I'm on a winning streak. I think I should go first.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, Tails.
0: All right, Michael. It is heads. Who are you picking?
2: Uh, Paul (laughs) goes first. So Paul get one, three and five.
0: All right, Paul. Question one. What color was the ref shirt?
2: Light blue. I have also in down light blue.
0: Well, you guys got it. It was, in fact, blue. I wasn't looking for that specific because, you know, colorblind. But (laughs) it was blue. It was blue. Okay. Question two. What makes an alliance United united, Michael?
2: So when a mommy soccer team and a daddy soccer team love each other very much, they come together and they decide to make not just an alliance, but they make an alliance united. I'm joking. I I don't fucking know. I will say um, uh, a team from Scar. <laughs> I know the teams in Scarborough, so I will say a team from them came. Two teams at Scarborough got together and made Alliance United. Yeah, I
1: just wrote two teams merged.
0: Perfect. Who?
2: Well, Scar.
0: Yeah. Are you Which two teams? Me? Which two teams?
2: Well, I, I said two teams. So I will say Scarborough Soccer
1: Club and uh, Scarborough FC. <laughs> Scarborough Alliance and Scarborough United.
0: Okay. So what I'm going to do is not give you guys the full two points, but you're going to get one point each. It was <laughs> Wexford Soccer Club and Markham FC.
2: I forgot about Markham.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing. That's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, about this game. Fucking mm-hmm. no rules. We do what we want. You didn't watch this game, even though it you depends
2: did. Depends how generous you're feeling. <laughs> it
0: really does. <laughs> but it was, in fact, a United club. So the United... <clears throat> actually works and wexford and Markham were the two teams so question three who scored the third goal for three points and bonus how
1: nia rose scored the third goal um so from a a lion's goal kick the ball goes into play um development team recycle the play get it out wide to Malouf out left she puts the ball across the goal there's no defenders around rose and she um, converts it from the six yard box
2: I have Rose as well, and I didn't know how to describe the goal, and Paul did it perfectly, so I'm taking his answer. Oh, I fucking hate
1: going for questions for one free <laughs> life.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty, because you both actually got it. Now, I am feeling a little bit better because the coffee's kicking in. I was going to make you describe it pinpoint, but it was a left foot volley. So you guys did get it both correct. So that would have been your four points there. So question four, four points after the lineup. The fit players fist bumped the ref, but who was the last to do so?
2: Um, I I honestly don't know, so I went with number seven, Aaron.
1: Again, I don't know, and I'm going to piggyback off Michael because I don't want to fall behind. Look, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're seeing what this game is turning into at this point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was both incorrect. It was actually Laura Gosey, number nine. So, fun fact: if you're watching and you watch the lineup. People are going to try to call me out. I don't think they will. She actually does it one more time when they're doing the coin flip before they run onto the field. So even if you were paying attention, the last one in the lineup isn't even the one who does it. It's actually her because she goes up to do the coin flip. So your 10 seconds hopefully gave you a little bit of benefit. But during the broadcast, how many flags can be seen?
1: I had six, the corner flags and the provincial flag and the Canada flag.
2: Are we counting corner flags as well?
1: Any waving flag? Okay, so
2: if we're carrying corner flags, I got 10.
1: Oh, someone's going to break here.
2: That's exciting.
0: It is exciting. Now, do I want to do closest to, or do I want to do spot on? Well, then just on pure proximity, unfortunately, Paul, you're going to lose because Michael was the closest on the flags. But, I mean, honestly, guys, good job, Michael you won that one on a guessing game (laughs) but if you're looking at that game that game was way better than what i thought it was going to be i knew it was going to be good but like personally i thought that game was fantastic i thought that game had a lot of attacking play i thought the goals were nothing seems sketchy that last goal from from the development it legit was a gorgeous just absolutely gorgeous
1: I was a little worried going into this game given the disparity between these two teams in the regular season. Like Alliance were like six, I believe, in the on the league standing. And the development team are the closest thing we had basically to a professional women's team in Canada. Like they trained five times a week. And they didn't even win the league. They finished second to Vaughn. <laughs> and um Vaughn got shocked in the semifinals against Alliance. So big disparity in the league finishing, although Alliance we're the only team to beat the development team in the regular season, but either way, I was a little worried. I was a little worried about this, but just like League 1 BC, this was a very entertaining game. At no point did I feel like either of the two teams really, really take control. I would say development team had the best chances. The Lions goalkeeper had to play very well to keep the score down, but at no point did it feel as if like they were completely just knocking away at them. It felt like there was a good ebb and flow to the game still.
2: Yeah, I think. Um, well, at the end of the day, the Parrot team did win. NDC was it NDC. It's not the initials. Um, they uh, they had a great game, honestly. And the way the game started, I thought this is gonna be like a six five game. Like it was, it started off hard and it started off I really win. did. <laughs> what
0: what a, what a it, level though! Like if you were gonna tune was, into a game and, and like buy tickets and send someone, like could we not have like thankfully asked for a better game? If if someone was like, you know what, I'm gonna play the you know gaslighting game and go and watch this like we're we gonna sit here and be like right like enjoy it you
2: yeah, know it was a good it was a good game and good turnout from the crowd as well um i'm not sure how much that actually holds but it, i mean it looked full it looked sold out from what from what we could see anyways but uh, another thing i want to point out for a little fun that trophy is a sexy lucky trophy. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Yeah holy hell <laughs>
1: not that's a competition but that's so much better looking in the in the shield once you get oh, in cpl in league one bc so much better that was a sexy
2: trophy mm-hmm. and but either way it was a good game amazing amazing goal uh scored by uh, NDC. but a third uh, who was it there it was uh, Rolube. Rolube, yeah hell of a ball that went uh that went all over twitter well deservedly all over twitter uh, Talker tweeted it out, so maybe if you're listening to the podcast, you saw it. But it was a, it was a great, it was a great goal. Um, to me, Alliance didn't really uh, show up though. At times, they were really in the game, but to me, overall, they they weren't. It uh, just, it just worked. To me, it was a different level of play between the two teams, and it showed on the field. And like Paul said, NDC is both professional count we'll Canada. These guys train. Are these girls sorry trained non-stop, and they deserve to win. The winner of League One Ontario Women's goes to the League One Women's Tournament, and uh, except for this game, the NDC will not be going to the finals or to the tournament. Alliance will be going instead, because NDC women are not available for the match. They're for some stuff, but they
1: won't be there. I know Alliance, like, have earned the right because they got to the final, but, like, part of me kind of feels like in these situations, maybe it should be awarded to the regular season winner, like, as an right. award for like, for winning the regular season. I feel like we're too quick to, like, throw away the importance of winning a regular season in North American sports, and I'd like to see more reward come out of that. Because, like, yeah, Alliance did get here, but, like, I mean, they lost the game. They lost the game. I mean, I know you can say the same about Vaughn. I know Alliance bet Vaughn, but um, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'll, hopefully, Alliance make me look silly when I. Hopefully, Alliance can make me look silly next week. Saying that, there's,
0: but there's someone has to go. I do agree. I've always preferred a league winner. Like, I just, just think that just makes more sense. But it just, it's a scenario where at least they were like, well, so I mean, yeah. like, at least I'm happy that it, it's there's someone going you know there's there's someone going there's you know I, I i prefer as always i prefer if it was the the league leader but i mean at least they're going to put someone in there they're going to do something about it and ndc their issue is is that there is a disparity so maybe this is actually going to be more of a kind of a level playing field cuz i mean mm-hmm. if these guys are are going to have all of that extra time to, to train and get ready. We could see a little bit of a better game instead of maybe a blowout. Cause I don't know. That that alliance game, there was a couple good tips. Like they had tipped it over the bar, and I was thinking, okay, they're gonna pull this back. They're gonna pull this back. And you know, if if one thing had maybe changed, maybe the momentum would have stopped. But the game ended the way it did. It did end 3-1 and all congrats. I am so excited for the Central Provincial now. I want to see what the trophy looks like because if that's an absolute banger uh, we are going to shit on the other two, the CPL and like League One BC. Like, up your fucking game. If they're gonna, if they're just gonna blow you out of the water with just a Chef's Kiss level goal, like trophy, no excuses.
1: Absolutely no excuses. And um, but, just to just to, so you know, ladies and gentlemen, if we're gonna cover this a lot, don't you worry. Um, when I'm hosting Game of the Week next week, the Interprovincial Final. We don't know what the matchup of that is, but the interprovincial, Provincial final will be games a the week. The teams involved to in the tournament are from the PLSQ, Blainville, and Laval from League One BC. It's Varsity Whitecap. Varsity won the regular season in League One BC, which is where their eligibility comes comes from. Despite the fact that caps won the League One BC, but that's how they do it there. And from Ontario, as we just mentioned, it's going to be Alliance United. So, that tournament's going to take place from the 12th of August to the 14th in Laval. If you happen to be in the area, do yourself a favor and check it out. Till the next time.
0: So, if you want to watch, you want to play our game, or even if you just want to watch and support, Make sure to be checking it out the League One Canada Women's Interprovincial Championship. We're going to come up with a quicker name than that, I swear. But that's what we have right now. So technically the 14th of August coming up very soon. Just make sure to be checking that out. It's probably going to be on YouTube or another service. We'll be tweeting it. One Soccer. One Soccer. Even better. That's gorgeous. I absolutely love to see it. And if you want to, because you'll get commentary which is a really, really big thing. It can kind of help you out in sort of figuring things out. But that's unfortunately going to have to be all for us. Make sure to be following us, though, on Twitter, because whenever we do any changes or let people know where to watch things, you're going to see it on there, okay, at FC13podcast. But also make sure you're going over to 13th Man Sports, okay? You're going to be seeing some beautiful articles by Michael, Paul. You get to see them all week, not just once a week or twice a week. Now that we're doing more regularly, you're going to get to see their thoughts and opinions all the time with some of their articles they write and there's some absolute bangers coming out so just keep an eye on that one but
1: boys where can we find you you can find me at paul mcnaughty 96 on instagram
2: and you can find me on instagram and twitter at mccalmy michael
0: and i am the andre mccrae we really appreciate you guys checking us out make sure to follow us make sure to Tune in, subscribe, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, because there's a lot of good stuff coming down the pipeline. But from everyone here in 13th Man Sports, we thank you for tuning in. And remember, listening to us is like watching football through a microwave.